Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. I am your host, Simone Johnson-Smith, and today we have for you another exciting story. His name is Jorge Rabasso from Argentina. Welcome, Jorge, senor. Thank you. Thank you, Simone. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you, and thank you. Thank you for this opportunity that you are giving me to, you know, to tell you and all the people listening now to my stories. It's, it's a privilege. Thank you. So tell me, Orte, what is that story that you just shared with me earlier, that very beautiful story of what brings you to the United States? Well, you know, I came here when I was 25 years old and um, did all kinds of jobs like, you know, like bus boy, delivering newspaper in the morning, driver. And uh, I met, you know, a Japanese girl. I fell in love. I took her to my country for four years. And after that, in 1988, we, I decided to come to the United States. It was the best way where you can grow the family when you are mixed. And she was from Tokyo and from Argentina, from Buenos Aires. And the best mixed family you can have is no doubt about it in the United States. So that's why I came here and made my life here. I know what the American dream is about. Yes, I, we arrived in Los Angeles where there's a lot of Japanese community and there's a lot of Argentinian community because I'm from Argentina. And so how were things for you in those first few months, the first few years? If you're able to tell me, like, what was it like adjusting to from Argentina way down south to now living in the United States, an English-speaking country? What was it like for you? Well, you know, I, I really think uh, my experience and being with, you know, my, my wife also, uh, I saw that experience on her, is that when you go to another country, at least there are two years that you had to take the time that, it, that the people need to settle down. Yes. And, it, you know, after one year, I had the feeling that I didn't do anything. It's like, you know, one year went right away. And after the second year, I start to, you know, to say, okay, I, I'm someone here. But something that I always say as an immigrant, actually, Sibon, I wrote a book for the immigrant people in Spanish uh, 15 years later. It's, it's published, it's in Amazon. You know, I always said that when you immigrate to another country, it's you who have to settle down with a city because the city is not going to settle down to you. <laughs> And there's something, you know, that, uh, that this is, in one way, it's very exciting because, you know, you have to open your mind, you have to open your heart, you have to open everything and say, okay, what's the game here? And uh, for most of the people, that's, that's very hard to do. 
Uh, and I can see in different communities where you know people goes into their own community. So the the, the Argentinian people, even it's even not the Latinos, the Argentinian go with the Argentinians, the Mexican go with the Mexican. So even within the same race, <laughs> they go to their communities. You go to the Asian race, it happens the same thing. All the Chinese are together, all the Japanese are together, all the Korean are together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't like each other. <laughs> you see, so it, it's the human more, condition, right? Part of the human condition. Yeah, because of the protection. Where are you going to feel protected? In your mm-hmm. language, in your people, and you understand. So when you have to deal with other races, with another community, some people have the courage to do it. But not all of us have the courage to do it. So it's something that we have to settle down. And, you know, it's a work that we have to do on ourselves to be open and to see what is going on there. When we learn that, it's very valuable for our life. Because whatever you think as an African-American or Asian or whatever, I can put inside my head, you know, I blended it with my own education and I improve it. Yeah. You accommodate. They have the word assimilation versus accommodation. You take what you bring to the table, you take what the new thing is, and you mix it together and make something even better, right? And you choose with the best. And you choose with it as a word for you. Exactly. So tell us, what's the name of your book, Jorge? The name is The 12 Keys to Have a Successful Life in Spanish. Are you speaking about a successful immigrant life or just life in general? Well, that, that book is based on the, do you know this? Yeah, of course, you know, the, the seven habits of the highly effective people. Yes. COVID. And that book is based on the Think and Grow Rich by, by uh, Napoleon Hills. You know, I read all of these books and in the United States, actually, I read them. And uh, there's another thing as an immigrant, know, that when you, when you receive the information in English, it's different when you receive the information in your own language. So, you know, if someone said to me about things in English, I don't feel anything. If someone said to me 10% of the other English men is telling me, I go crazy, okay? Because when you say to the union language, so when I read this book, I said, you know what? I had to write something in my own language to give it to the immigrants to make the, the, the language where they were going, not understand the English, understand the language, how you say this. And uh, yeah, that's that what I have done. I have another, another book also that I have written that is about poems. You know, I wrote some poems and I translate them into English. Okay. So the book is called, it's called yeah, the, 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 the book is called In Two Languages. Mm, very interesting. Two languages, we'll be... two languages for, for the same feeling. Mm. So for the same feeling, that is the poem, you have said in two languages. And sí. I suppose, uh, yeah. But, okay, Simon, I wrote the, my translation into the poem was something like 20 years later, I live in this country, okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we'll be sure to get the name of the books and put them in the yeah. show notes. And for anybody who'd like to check them out, they're welcome to go on Amazon or <laughs> are they in bookstores? Like Barnes and Noble? No, there in Amazon, they put my, my name, Jorge Barbasa. Yeah. Very good. All right. So we'll get those for our listeners. As you know, people from around the world are constantly moving to different countries. Is there a deeper heritage behind you being in Argentina? 
did your family come from somewhere like maybe Portugal or something? Or you guys are directly from Argentina? My grandparents were from Italy and Spain. A lot of people in Buenos Aires, living in Buenos Aires is the, is the main state in Argentina, and the capital of the country is Colcava. And most of the people in Buenos Aires are from Spain. They, I'm talking about the grandparents, right? Yes. The generation of the 1900s, in the beginning of 1900, are from Italy and, and, and Spain. That's not the reason why Argentinians immigrate if Argentina immigrate now. They live in Argentina because of different reasons. We are not, you know, the kind of people that think when we're born, it's better to immigrate. We are the, the opposite. So what is life like in Argentina? I've never been um, that for far south. My my, I was born in Jamaica, raised in the Caribbean, second part of my life in the United States. I've lived in Mexico City for two years, been to another part of the uh, Spanish-speaking word, Cuba, Santo Domingo, but never been further south. What is it like in Argentina and Buenos Aires? Argentina is, uh, Buenos Aires is very beautiful. But Argentina has 50% of poverty in their populations. Mm. Argentina has now 100% inflation. And seven in 10 kids are poor. So there is, you know, the, 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 the middle class people that maybe is 10%. And the rest, you know, is in middle class that maybe is 20%. And the rest is poor people. For the human being, it's very... It's very sad to see the things, but sometimes we don't see this. Or sometimes mm -hmm. we don't want to take a look at this. See? So Argentina, I born in Argentina. I think I love Argentina, but if I see everything around, if I see my friends, I, let me tell you, Simone, that I have, have all the friends in Argentina, and I'm still going to Argentina at least once a year. So, you know, all my friends are there. And I haven't burned the boat, as you say. You no, know, people immigrate, burn the boat. I don't want to go there anymore. It's not my story. It's <laughs> the opposite. Uh, but I feel very pain when I see how the situation in Argentina is. Uh, you know, something like one month ago, I had the opportunity in Los Angeles. They invited me to talk about what the American dream was about. And, you know, I was talking about what I did. I was talking about, you know, my, my, my business. I was talking about how I live in the United States. And I was talking about uh, how happy I am living in the country. And, you know, I did this, I did that. And, you know, and it was, it was like, like I was talking about how success I was in some, in some ways. You know, but... At the end of the speech, and this is the real thing, was in Los Angeles, United States, we are who we are because on the other side, we have a country that we can do the things. It's not about me. It's uh -huh. about me plus the country I have that is supporting me. That is called United States. Because I have a lot of friends that I really love. They work harder like me, maybe they study more than me. They are honest like me, and they can they don't have the same luck that I have. And these people feel very frustrated, and the people feel very unhappy. I know them 
from the last 50 years. I'm not, I mean, it's not some, some people I saw in the movie. I, I live with them. Mm. When I left my country, I have connection with them for year after year, one year after another. And now mm. what they say, Jorge, my life is a failure. I cannot feed my, my, my kid. I cannot send my kid to the university. My kid has a high job. What, what is my answer? You didn't have the country. It's not your fault. Right, that environment but to support you what your effort is. Right. You did have the right thing. You didn't have the country that helped you to do that. Yes. So it's very painful, see? And they didn't want to leave because, you know, they, they didn't want to leave because they were that family. They trust in the country. They trust in this and trust in that. So it's, you know, sometimes what we have, we take it for granted in the United States. I have to have more, 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 but we take it for granted. The country is what's helping us at the same time that we are doing the right thing. There mm -hmm. are millions of places where people are doing the right thing and they don't get nothing back. Yes, that's right. That's right. I completely understand. Completely understand. So we're very blessed to live in this environment where the economy supports our efforts. And we can see fruits from our hard work. It's so not the same for so many people in other countries because they just don't have that in that market economy or whatever it is, the rule of law that supports and protects uh, people in businesses. It's really sad. I agree. It's very sad because the people that have done the right thing as the same uh, the same way that I did it. You know, but don't get me wrong, there are some mistakes still in the United States. So, but they, you know, the perfection doesn't exist. I'm talking about the high percentage of the people. You know, there's a lot of unfair things. I, I, I know, but the perfection doesn't exist. In our right. country, South America, Mexico, you know, all the Latin people I know, is very, very unfair. Very unfair. Yes. Cases such as those are in the Caribbean, they're in Africa, they're in other continents as well. So it's across the globe. So what is the food like, Jorge? What type of food do they eat in Argentina? What are fun things that you guys do? Is Spanish the only language? And what is the culture and the music like? Give us a flavor for what life is like in Argentina. So Spanish, Spanish yeah, is the only language. There's a lot of museum, a lot of uh, culture. People, you know, in Buenos Aires, is uh, people who don't like to read. Like to be cultivate art. It's amazing. Buenos Aires used to be called the little Paris. Really? Yeah. The food, you know, the food is, is very, very good and very tasteful. But there's a problem. It's like living at the state, you know, you have a lot of variation. In Argentina, you don't. In Argentina, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's barbecue, chicken, salad, pizza, pasta. Soap and I don't know, maybe fish, and that's what all the people eat. You, you go to the restaurant, it's almost the same thing. But when you live here, okay, so when, 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 when you live here, you, you have, you go to the restaurant, you know, you have different, you go whatever, Chinese, Taiwanese, African American, whatever food you, you have. No, there you have only, you know, the Argentinian food. So, when I'm going there and stay there for, you know, two or three weeks, I start to miss the variation I miss because I always have the same, the same dishes. It's, it's very, very, uh, 
But this, I mean, you know, they, when you live in that environment, you don't see. You don't, you, I mean, if I talk with Argentinian people, they don't know what I'm talking about. It's like, it's okay. You know, ten, ten different dishes is going to be enough. It's enough. What are you talking about? Right. But you're exposed to so much here, especially in L.A., to different types of uh, food from different countries, right? So now you know, wow, the the palate is so much wider than, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, right. Uh, yeah. But Argentina is a Buenos Aires is a place to, to, to visit. It is. It is. Right. Most of the people from the state that I know, they were very happy when I came, when I went to, to Buenos Aires. I'm thinking tango. Is tango associated with Argentina or is it another tango country? Is tango is Argentina. It, it is. Okay. It is a full Argentina. I mean, tango, yeah, yeah. We are famous because of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Born in Argentina. Okay, so when you arrived with your new love from Japan and you guys are starting a fresh in L.A., what was the dream for your family? I, I'm thinking that you didn't have any children at the time. You're starting from scratch as a young couple. What was the hope for you at the time? What's the story? Well, when we arrived, you know, we have... Uh, so when I, from when I met Isako and we had the first kid, it was 10 years. Not because we couldn't have it. It was because, you know, I don't know. It was like, it was time to wait, no? uh, to see how how we were going to settle down. And actually, Pamela, to be honest, I, I always say to my friend for 10 years, if I divorce with Hisako, I'm going to the airport. And then she goes to Tokyo, and I'm going to Buenos Aires. That was the story. <laughs> what was the dream? Well, the dream was, you know, to... the dream of the immigrant is the first thing, how you wanted to survive. We didn't came here with, you know, with money. So the first thing was how you were going to survive. My dream was, when I just arrived, was to have a solid job where I can make, you know, enough money just to survive. I couldn't think more than that. And then through the years, you know, you start to, to, to settle down. And then, and then another thing that was very, very powerful was, when I discovered that all Los Angeles was the best place for a mixed family. <laughs> See, and um, I, I went to Tokyo several times. And I, when I was in Tokyo, I, I felt that if I were going to live in Tokyo, we going to happen the same thing that if my wife was going to live in, in, in Buenos Aires. Because it's so different, everything. Yes. It's, it's very, very, very painful, you know, to, to be in, in, in the society that is so, so different. But the state has everything. Los Angeles has everything. So the first thing when I arrived was, well, how can I have more friends? What kind of life would, would I would like to have? And in my case, I was lucky because I like, you know, social things. And then I decided to start my social relationships. Yes. The, the first thing that I did was I founded an association called Hispanic Business Network. That if you go to the website, it's, it's, called a, it's, it's, it's in hispanicgroup.com. 
I found that organization and I put all the communities, Spanish communities together, because as I told you before, the communities doesn't go to be together, right? They go Argentinians, Mexicans, Peruvians, Ecuadorians, so all of them are, so I put them together in this association, doing networking. And there I, I, I got two, two advantages. One was that I started to meet people, but on the other side, I started to develop my, my social needs. And I'm talking about social needs. I need to be, be with people. That's the way I am. That's the way I think that my life is better. Doesn't mean that for everyone is that way. And then after maybe 10 or 15 years, I became a member of the city club in downtown. And in the city club in downtown, I found the multicultural lunch meet, where the mission was to put together different communities. So I created the Hispanic Business Network, I put the, that community together. I'm talking about 20 years ago. After a lot of years, I say, okay, now people start, because people change. So all the Latin people start to change, they start to, to get together after this. Then now it's time to do the same mission with different communities. And I did that for maybe seven years. I had a multicultural lunch meeting. It was unbelievable, it was amazing because one of the events was Word of Wisdom. I invite one African-American, one Asian, one Latino, and one Anglo-Saxon. Words of Wisdom. They were more than 80 years old. And you have the four guys, you know, they are here in the panel. And you start to ask questions, tell me what is life about. Tell me with the best advice you receive in your life. Tell me with the worst mistake that someone can make in your life. You have to tell me. And these people were leaders. I mean, they were people, you know, they, they, are, they are high end people. And it was amazing because if, if every culture says something different. So basically, to answer the question, because I went to the, you know, I went to another, uh, when I arrived to, the, to this country, according to my wishes, I get the, the risk of, you know, trying to do what I thought it was going to be the best for my spiritual thing than for my, for money. Because at that time, when I started with my profession, I had a good job, you know, where I can be doing typesetting in front of the computer, making my living, but I get the risk. I, I made it. Yeah. So the Hispanic Business Network and then the Multicultural Lunch Meeting, did I get that right? Right, right, Simon. yeah. Awesome. That was an, a great idea, Jorge. And so you are they still going today or...? Oh, yeah, the, the, the hispanicgroup.com, yes. Now the multicultural lunch meeting is not going now because I don't go to the city club anymore because of the pandemic, because the big thing that we have done with these Zoom meetings, you know, that I can we can put more people together. So we have a project in the Hispanic Business Network. Actually, now we change the name, it's Hispanic Network Community. Uh, we have three projects. One is about education. The other one is about how to save the earth. And the other one is to put the community together as a multicultural. 
Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we, we are going to do some meetings in the way that maybe I will send you the information. Sure, sure. That sounds great. So what were some challenges, Jorge, that you faced? You mentioned before that not being fluent in English was challenging and so forth. But what were some other challenges that you may have faced over the years, adjusting and assimilating, accommodating the American culture? The most difficult thing is the language. It's very difficult. So, you know, for immigrant people, I always say that English is one of the, one of the first things for different reasons. One, because of the shyness that we feel when we have to speak another language. We are shy just speaking our own language. We feel fear of public speaking. We feel fear of knowing people in the street. We feel fear to do a lot of things in our life in our own language. So suddenly, you know, the, the destiny, you know, drop you in a place where everybody speaks other languages and say, what, what, what is going on here? There is when you have to find inside you the strength to do what had to be done in order to go out from this cave that we are in. And one of these is study, something that a lot of people don't do. Why? Well, because it's important to study. It's not urgent, so let's do it tomorrow. In the show that I'm working, you know, they speak some Spanish, so you know I can do it tomorrow. If I speak English in front of the people, I feel more shy, so I don't want to do that. So this is something that people, immigrant people, had to work on themselves. It's a, it's a job. It had to work. It had to be worked. I'm not going to wake up one morning and say, okay, now I want to study. It doesn't happen that way. I had to work on myself to get educated. So I always say, and I always, for years I say, is I know to Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, when I didn't speak English. The other one is Los Angeles when I do speak English. The first one has a very small frame. The second one has largely framed. And I know both of that. So one of the first things and advice to people that immigrate is to learn the language. That's the first thing. And then when the opportunity arrives, you are going to have the talent, you're going to have the language to get it. Because the opportunity can arrive to all of us. But we don't have the tools, we cannot get it. And one of the best tools that we can have is the language. You know why, Simon? Because it happened to me. When the opportunity arrived, I didn't speak English. Why I didn't speak English at, at that time? Well, because when I was a kid, I didn't speak English. Why? Because I didn't want to study. <laughs> See, I mean, I started to, to, to study English when I was 23. So for the immigrant people, that's the way it has to be. But there's something else here. Yes. What happened to the immigrant? Because I feel this. What happened to the immigrant wants to raise kids in the United States? What I'm going to do, I ask myself. I'm going to be the one who cannot talk with the teacher. I'm going to be the one who cannot communicate with my kids because they're going to speak English and you know when they have to speak English because of me. No. I'm going to do the best I can to speak as much as I can in order to know to do the right thing as a parent. It doesn't matter if I'm going to talk better or not or whatever. I'm going to do my best. That's all I want to do, my best. Yes, yes. Because when you immigrate, you want to have kids, you have, it's a must, it's an obligation to speak Spanish. 
It's an obligation. What has it been like out here raising children in a different country, both you and your wife, right? Different from the one you were born and raised in. What has it been like adjusting to the values that are in Argentina versus Tokyo? Well, yeah, yeah, it was... And yeah, very. It was very, very, very hard because we didn't know the system. We didn't know how how things were. We didn't know, you know. And and actually, also the other thing when you educate kids without families, mm. you know, if you have an immigrant that gets married with someone who is American, you have all the American family telling you what to do, where where to go. In my case, it wasn't that. We didn't have families, period. No grandparents, no aunts, no, no nothing. See, so it's even it's even more more complicated. But we did it. We had two kids, and, and you know, one was graduated in the Berkeley Music in Boston, mm-hmm. a teacher in, in the school, and the other one is um, you know is um, is uh, it was it was. He's gonna go to the university for for landing security, and we did it. We did it. We we have good kids. <laughs> Something very good. We did it. Right. So they are quite the multicultural set of children, right? They have the the Hispanic culture, the Japanese culture, raised in America. How do they see the world? What I can see, or what I I, I thought. Uh, in you know, in the beginning, when they were you know in the teenagers, they don't know to who they belong to. It's like a confusion, you know. It's, it's like it's hard for them. Very hard. But as they grow, they start to see that they can choose from the for the three worlds the best, and then they start to recognize that it's a good thing. Yes. You see, so, and also when I had clan, you know, I did with a lot of people because of my, of my profession. When I see mixed people, I always ask this question. If you were born again, where you choose? I mean, you, you're in front of God and you're going to burn, okay? So you're going to be, in this case, you're going to be Latino or you're going to be Japanese or you're going to be mixed. Like, how do you feel if you are mixed? And most of the people I ask this, they say, you know what, if I born again, I want to be like who I am because I can choose. I have more options. In my life, I was white until I was 25. No, but my, my, my life, my mentality. So if, uh, if the mixing happens for the kids, I think the best thing because they can choose for the best world. And yes. the other parents, you know, they had to be with the kids and, you know, all the time. Uh, something, you know, that we, we all know. I mean, we educate the kids and we have to be with them, follow with them and give them the, the good path. Was there anything that was especially challenging to adjust to? I heard people say Halloween was so strange because they don't celebrate Halloween in their country of origin. Was there anything you found that was just so shocking and different about the American culture? No. Honestly, I didn't find anything that 
anything that bothers me. No. So I was very open and I was very free and I never feel, you know, that there was someone from, you know, from another planet. We had to think also that I'm living in Los Angeles. I don't know what, what happened in Oklahoma. Yes, yes. <laughs> no idea. I mean, you know, I don't know what happened in another city, but in Los Angeles, no, I never feel, I never feel, no, the opposite. I, I felt very welcome. Simone, it's an attitude. It's the attitude mm. of the day. I mean, if you're a good person, right? And you're on an, an immigrant, and you're a good person, you want to do the right thing, you want to help people, you want to work honestly, who is not going to accept you? Why? You're, you're African-American. Why? Right. So the one who doesn't accept you, okay, he, has, he or she can go have their own way. Not with me, okay? They don't accept me. I don't notice that. I'm not looking for that. If someone didn't like me, maybe it happens because of my accent, because of it. I, how can I say this? I didn't notice because I didn't pay attention. I pay more attention to the people like the good rapport, that attention to, I didn't notice. You look Very at me, yeah, I noticed. I, 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 I wasn't looking for them. Did you research LA before moving to LA? Why did you choose LA? That was, it sounds like it was a great. Awesome. No, because I have a friend, I have a very good friend that he was working here and he opened me the, the possibility to work here. He find me jobs and he find me. I know I, I had this friend, he gave me a big hand. But it turned out very well. It sounds like it for you. That was good. Again, I love you on the stage. I became a citizen as soon as I could. I really, you know, and... Every from from the very beginning when I founded the Hispanic Business Network, every time in my whole life, when I was doing a meeting, I placed the the flag, the, the legend of the flag. I did the pledge. Always. You know why? To say thank you to the United States. Is there anything that you wish that you knew when you moved here in the 80s, in 1988, that you've, after 40 years, you now have much more information and knowledge, anything you wish that you knew then that you know now? Well, first, yes. First, of course, the language. Second, the opening in my mind to different communities. How I was thinking about this community, how I was thinking about the other community, how I was thinking about this community, the preconcepts that I had. Because something like that they taught me was, a, was to be opening. And they say, you know what, it was not the way you thought. This is not the way they teach you how the things were. To do the changes, it takes time. I would like to know that. Now, maybe with internet and with all the, the, the chain, the big chain that we have, the, our countries, like South America, people are going to be more open to different communities than they were before. Any special advice you may have for immigrants who are just arriving? How do you make this a successful journey, moving and living here in the United States? I'm thinking because, you know, the, the most difficult thing for me was 
to be nostalgic about my friends and about my family when I left. Mm. And uh, one of the things that I always, we need for that is time. You know, we had to have the, the mission while we're doing this. We had to have the, uh, the way where we're going to go to. When we get lost, we had to go back. Our heart tell us, you know, what it had to be done. But there's different kind of, 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 of I guess, there are different kind of people that immigrate. If you immigrate by your choice, is one story. If you had to immigrate because your destiny or because you, because your country, you know, the, put you out or because of political things, you have to immigrate. That is very, very painful. So, you know, when, when you have to do something in life that is because the fate put in front of you, the thing that you had to do is you had to be optimist. And you had to never give up. And you had to know that your fate is that one and it had to be done. And that's the reason why you are there. And you know, you had to go ahead and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I can do this. It's painful. I want to be in my country. They took me out of from the country for any reason. I came here because I don't have enough money to feed my family in, in my country, whatever reason is. I'm talking about to the people that they didn't come here because of the choice. Involuntarily. Exactly. exactly. Yes. I mean, people say you had to go out and suddenly they are in this country. Okay. Yes. Okay. Is God or the or the fate or the destiny or whatever we're gonna call it because we don't know where it is put us in this place? We had to get the strength that we have inside ourselves because we do have it. Don't complain. Just do it because United States has the tools to go through that process to that change. We had to find those, those tools. Because it exists in this country. Mm -hmm. So it's painful, yes, it is. We get nostalgic, yes, it is. Time is going to cure this, this time, yes. Time is going to cure this. But we have to feel we're going to do it. That's, that's the best advice that I can give. Very good. Be optimistic. Very hard. Very hard. But you know, that when you get there, when you get the point, when you pass all of this, you end saying thank you. Because the experience mm -hmm. had to go through. Not all the people can have that experience. When you get back after all of this effort, it's unbelievable, beautiful. And it's, you know, it's something that's, you know what, I did it. I didn't make any mistake. I went through and never give up. Never give up. So how do people find your service, Jorge? Talk about what you do. If there are people who are listening to your interview and want to yeah. get in touch with you for services, how do they support your business? Well, you know, I am in the life insurance business, Simon. So I have, I have been helping with life insurance for a long time. And uh, also it's about education because life insurance is a product that a lot of people don't know about. They don't know they have cash values in the life insurance they can use in the future for retirement plan supplements. They don't know they can have a lot of tax advantage with life insurance. They don't know that life insurance came with different riders that is called living benefit. They get sick. They can take money from there. So it's not only about dying, it's about getting sick and you know, get the money to go on with the activities. 
My my website is rabasoinsurance.com. So it's my last name, insurance.com, and they can go there and take a look and you know, call me or make an appointment with me. But I have been in this industry for more than 25 years. So, you know, it's a, it's a long way to have done this. And I know how this product works. Are you with a specific company or you're an independent no, that's agent? A, no, that's a good thing. I'm a broker. So I, according to the person, and according to the needs, I shop around. I have 40 different companies. And I found the best product, the best price. Because if some people have pre-existing conditions, they say they have high blood pressure. This company make a better deal than the other company. But I, I, I'm talking about all of A-plus companies. So I shop around and say, well, this is the best. And I'm talking about product, I'm talking about prices. So I'm a broker. That's, that's the good thing. Very good. Very good. And I know you're on LinkedIn. So if folks are on LinkedIn, they can find you there as well. They can find me, yeah, yeah. They can find me there. They can find me on my website. But yes, and I, I hope you know that uh, everyone get education with that because... Again, uh, all the financials and all the protection that this country is giving is something like uh, in our country we don't know this. Yes. And there's another thing here, Simon, that is, you know, that we don't believe it. Some people get to this country and because, because they have seen their own country, they don't believe the system works. But the reality here is that if I bought the computer and if I go to my house, I use the computer, I don't like it, I send it back and I get the money back. That is not the state. So it had to believe. I, I, I had people that they told me, Jorge, listen, I already got the bad life insurance with you. I already paid the premium. I already had the policy. Everything is fine. Now, if something happened to me, the insurance company pay. You see, I say, listen, if the company, if I knew that the insurance company don't pay, I, I will be doing something else. <laughs> see? So the system in this country works. Yes. And when we immigrate, we came with our own baggage. We came with our own you know, insecurities. So that way we don't pay attention to all of the things that we have here. So it's, it's a lot of things, it's a lot of information. One day I was invited. Uh, this is something like 15 years ago in the Staples Center. I was invited at the, at the chairman and the founder of the Hispanic Business Network to tell us what we're going to ask for the next government. You know what I ask? I ask for education. Tell me how the social security works. Tell me how an annuity works. Tell me how I can pay less taxes. Mm -hmm. I told there were people from the future governments. You don't go to the Hispanic community too, because you don't care about the Hispanic community, because we don't give votes. At that time, I talked about 15 years ago. Immigrant people, they don't educate us. They don't want to take the time. So education is, is you know, something, but again, we had to look for them. We had to settle for the, for the city. We had to look for, find out, ask, go with professionals. Yes, because we have the rule of law that protects businesses and um, 
you know, the, the market environment supports some of these things. They do happen. And I understand there's, you know, several countries in Latin America where things are, are not going well on so many different places around the world. So I, I get why people are skeptical and, you know, they're afraid to put their money, not knowing right. if it's going to be okay a few years down the road. But it does work here. No, it does Thank work. But thank you so much for your time, Jorge. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much for the opportunity again. And uh, very nice what you are doing. I hope it's going to help a lot of immigrants when they come to this country. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, Subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence.